You are about to hear the most interesting, informative, thought-provoking, opinion-leading, and funny show in America, on air and on the World Wide Web. This is The Rob Carson Show. Well, happy Monday to ya. I'm Mary Walter in for Rob Carson. Rob is back with you tomorrow. So uh, I, I think Ken and um, Brian and I put together a pretty good show here. Of course, Lee chiming in as well. So we have coming up this hour, Joe Bercato. He has a book out on um, rules for mastering the art of science and relationships in life and business. And we're going to talk about why so many young people are rejecting the American dream. I'm going to talk about that. Uh, next hour, Dennis Neal joins us. He's a media strategist. He has a podcast. And we're going to talk about the war on Elon Musk. What's happening? Why has the left turned on Elon Musk so quickly? I mean, he's, he's a billionaire and they love their billionaires. They love him. They all want to be him. Uh, so I'm, we're going to talk, discuss that. And then in the last hour, Liz Peake will be joining us. We have a lot to talk to her about Trump back in court, Jamal Bowman, Gates versus McCarthy, because, you know, literally nothing happened this weekend. <laughs> nothing happened this weekend. I don't know about you, but I sat around eating bonbons all weekend. Didn't look at the TV at all. Wow. Okay, so. Well, you know what? Before I go there, before I before I get into all of it, just want to let you know that you can find me on X, if, if you want to call it Twitter, whatever it is. I'm I'm in like a hybrid mode right now between what to call it. So you can follow me on X, Twitter, uh, at Mary Walter Radio. Uh, tonight at four thirty-five Eastern Time, I will be on Newsmax TV on the Chris Salcedo Show with Michael Reagan. And we're going to talk about all those things, all the latest news. The fi- what's a fire alarm? Did you know that? Did you know how to use a fire alarm and that you're not supposed to touch it? Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to teach you all about that. Uh, we're going to talk about Trump back in court and some other news stories of the day. And then tomorrow's my podcast, seven fifteen p.m. Eastern time, live on YouTube and Getter. Just look for Mary Walter Radio there. You can leave comments online. We put them up on the screen. We interact with you. We've got a great group of people now, regulars who keep joining in. So it's really a lot of fun. Sometimes we talk politics. Some we don't feel like it. We don't. We just don't. And then the audio is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So you can uh, you can head over to uh, YouTube and see all the previous episodes. We have had some great guests. Rob Carson's been on. Rob's been on with us. Uh, we've had uh, James Rosen has been on with us. He's so funny. Highly recommend you look up that one. He's hilarious. Um, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West and a whole lot more. So, all right. So before we before Joe joins us, I want to go into a little bit about what's happening right now um, with Donald Trump being back in New York in uh, Southern District of New York, of course. He's in uh, Judge Arthur Engeron's courtroom. Now, what's happening is this is, and this is what you're going to see, this is what you're seeing from the left, especially in New York. These are not criminal trials. They went after Trump. They got his tax records. They couldn't go after him with a crime because in a criminal court, the bar is much higher, right? There's a much higher bar for proving that something happened. In a civil case, it's a much lower bar. It's just by the preponderance of evidence, but not beyond a shadow of a doubt. So that's why you saw the E. Jean Carroll uh, case go to a civil trial in New York as opposed to a criminal trial in New York. They would have had to file charges as well criminally, and they didn't do that. Because in a civil trial, they're much more likely to get a friendly uh, decision. And I wonder, I'm beginning, I wonder, I'm not 100% sure, but maybe if you, if a lawyer, you know, can either tweet to me or let me know, um, 
call in uh, 800-922-6680. I don't know if Trump can feel a civil, appeal a civil decision all the way to the Supremes. I don't know if he can do that. I don't know if they'll take a civil case. But if it involves a former president, they very well might take a civil case. Now, the E. Jean Carroll thing, I don't think he cares about. Everybody's like, he's a convicted rapist. It's like, no, 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 he's not. Wasn't found guilty, was found liable. So that's the difference between a civil case and a criminal case. So don't let them control the language for anybody. I don't care if this was if this is Jamal Bowman. I don't care who it is. You you have to get the language right. It's not fair to say someone was found guilty when they weren't found guilty. They were found liable. So um, this judge, Arthur uh, Engeron, said, well, you know what? We already have all everything we need, so I'm just going to decide this. There is no jury trial. I'm going to decide it. And I find that you committed, you um, undervalued, purposely undervalued your properties and you lied and the thing about this is, is when I don't know about you, but when I'm taxed on my property or if I have a home equity loan on my property or mortgage, or whatever, they send an appraiser out. Now, if the bank chooses not to send an appraiser and they're going to go by what I said, OK, if they agree to it, it's a private contract between two people. And that's what Donald Trump is arguing. He's like, this is a private contract. The, he, he even said uh, he even goes into the fact that there is a disclaimer on the front of these contracts that uh, a disclaimer clause on the front page of the financial statements and Trump wrote this on true social on the on the front page of the financial statements there's a strong disclaimer clause telling all not to rely on these financial statements the disclaimer clause tells anyone reviewing the data including financial institutions to do their own research and analysis it's a non-reliance clause and could not be more clear so if if the banks choose not to send their own guy out and they're just going to trust Donald Trump's appraisal. Okay, that was their choice. Who is Letitia James and this judge to come along and say, well, no, they, that, that's, that's not how this works. They agreed to it. Both sides agreed. The loans were paid. There's no victims. Nobody complained. None of the banks said I was harmed. Nobody's claiming any kind of harm. But they're saying that he committed a crime by doing, by under, by, he lied on the forms. But there's a disclaimer on the front page of the forms that says, you know, you don't, don't, this may not be the gospel here. Just so you know, if you were asking me to evaluate my house and you didn't send an appraiser out, well, I'm going to go with what the tax assessor said, because I know that what the tax assessor has most, most tax assessors in most towns, that's not necessarily what you can get for that property on the free market, right? Especially in times when it's when it's a seller's market, they can ask, you can ask for anything for your house. And if someone pays you for it, they agree that that's the value of it. So does that now give a, a judge or, or an attorney general somewhere who has it out for me to come after me and say, well, you lied about the value of your house. That's not the value of your home. Well, I said that was the value. They agreed that that's the value and they paid me for it. Or if I get a home equity and they choose not to send someone out to look for a look at my home and I say, oh, my house is worth $500,000. And it's not worth $500,000. And I say my house is, you know, 6,000 square feet. And it's not 6,000 square feet. It's really 400. But I wanted to get more money for whatever reason. But there's a disclaimer says, you know, if you want, if you want the, you know, if you, if you want to make sure, send somebody out. And they choose not to. And they're like, okay. And they give me the loan and I pay the loan back. Why would I possibly wind up losing everything? And that's what they want to do to Trump. 
they already have put, they want to make sure that he cannot practice business. He cannot own a business in the state of New York. That's what they're trying to do here. They want his properties. They want a big show of taking the name of Trump off of his properties. They want to humiliate this man. They want to destroy the brand of Trump. That's what they're trying to do. In the meantime, the brand of Biden is selling really well on the markets in uh, Russia, Ukraine, China, Romania, and a couple of other countries. A Biden brand, unblemished. So that's what they're trying to do here. And we, we are allowing one man who doesn't ha- know the value of real estate to make that decision. And several, uh, the New York Post had a piece uh, just uh, last week that real estate agents in Palm Beach, speaking on the condition of anonymity, said the judge is crazy. The value of Mar-a-Lago is in the hundreds of millions of dollars. <clears throat> Not 18 million, as he claims. That, that's insane. And if you look at it, you would think so. You even If you go on, uh, online on websites, they'll tell you what the appraised value is versus the market value. There's a difference. So what's happening here and the left, you know, cheering this on on social media is and I get it. They're all giddy and they're all into their feelings and they're like, Woo-hoo, Trump's going down because I hate him so much. But this is going to put a chill on the real estate business, period. And these are the people who go, I don't care. I'll pay more as long as it gets Trump, as long as it destroys him. They're all for it until it comes back and bites them in the butt. It's kind of like we're a sanctuary state. We're a sanctuary city. Everyone should be allowed to come into America. And then people start coming into America and they're like, okay, wait, I didn't mean to come into where I am. I I meant go somewhere else in America, but not here. And now suddenly they don't like it. They're not so thrilled with their, with, you know, with their getting what they ask for. Now, part of the problem with Trump is he's tweeting all this stuff out about the judge. The judge is crooked. The judge is this. The judge is that. And listen, I get what he's saying. This judge is a diehard Democrat. He, this is selective pro- prosecution. No one is prosecuted for this. As far as we know, as for what I've seen so far, for what I've read so far, this is a one-of-a-kind uh, hearing. It's not even a trial anymore. It's done. He's guilty. He's done. We have, pro- we have proclaimed it so. Now let's see how much we can destroy him. The city wants him to pay $250 million in fines, even though there's no victim and no one complained of being a victim. There's no criminal charges. It's just, well, we found, we have the man, we need to find a crime, so we're going to get him on this. 1-800-922-6680. You know what, John in Eldersburg, hang on, I would have to cut you short. Just hang on two seconds here, quick break, and, and you'll be first up, I promise, right here on The Rob Carson Show. Yeah, it is Monday, people. I'm Mary Walter in for Rob Carson. Rob is back with you tomorrow. We're talking about a Donald Trump being in um, front of a judge in New York to find out how much of his empire, his business, he's going to be allowed to keep. This man now has the ability to totally destroy Donald Trump, destroy everything he's worked for all his life, take away his businesses, find him $250 million, destroy his brand, because the judge claims that Donald Trump lied on a form that... Nobody complained about it. It's a, nobody is a victim of a crime. So, but it's a civil trial, not a criminal trial. So this is all about destroying Donald Trump. And you can be, you can think that this is just, you can hate Donald Trump. But, you know, in this country, we used to say right is right is wrong is wrong, regardless of who you are. 
And that's not what's happening here. And you can hate him, but you also should be able to condemn him, condemn this at the same time as just flat out wrong. John in Eldersburg. John, thank you for holding on. You're on the Rob Carson Show. Happy Monday. Hey, happy Monday. And uh, thanks for taking Rob's. You're doing a great job. Um, Thank you. So here's my problem with this judge. Uh, First of all, the judge is not a real estate appraisal. So he right. should have had a real estate appraisal. And where's the prosecutor bringing the real estate appraisal to show $18 million? Much less the judge making up his own facts. Because the judge doesn't have the right to make up facts. He's supposed to be reviewing facts that were brought to him. So that, that's, that's number one. Trump should come into court with an actual real estate appraisal of the property and say it's not $18 million. Here's a professional that I paid to have this done. It's $300 million. End of story. That's what needs to happen next, because the judge cannot bring his own facts to the to the courtroom and then weigh on them. Someone has to bring them for him. But from what I understand, that part of it's done. This judge just decided that that he he undervalued his his um, property for gain and for ill-gotten gains, and he um, said that uh, apparently he lied and said that uh, Trump Tower. He's uh, James Tisha James claimed Trump and his company repeatedly lied and overvalued his assets and financial statements to secure large loans and make business deals. She accused Trump of exaggerating his wealth by as much as $3.6 billion in the latest court filing. So I apologize. I said undervalued. He oh, They're claiming he overvalued in order to get bigger, um, more loans. Like I said, if I if I tell the bank that my house is worth $500,000 and it's 6,000 square feet and they don't send anybody out to check, but they give me a loan based on those numbers, well, that's on them. And if I pay the loan back and everybody's happy, there's been no crime committed, right? Well, and there's that, and the fact that the the bank never brought charges to Trump, the prosecutor did. So they brought a they they brought Trump in the courtroom looking for a crime. That's what happened, and that's and that should be unconstitutional. Yeah, it should be, and that's what we're going to have to say. But the problem is, is his his businesses in New York have already been put in a conservatorship, like someone else is in charge of them right now. He took them away from them right now, and someone else is in charge who's going to well, hold so them. For the state. Well, then the state should be responsible for the damages they caused him when he brings these appraisals in to say, in fact, they, they were much higher than, than uh, the judge's reporting because the judge doesn't have a right to bring in the facts. It's got to come from the prosecutor. Yeah, this is a big mess. Um, a mess. And I'm not a lawyer, also, so I'm only going. It's, it's a witch hunt. Yes. Yeah. And again, I'm not a lawyer. I'm just going by. I sat and I I watched Fox. I watched Newsmax today. I go back and forth between the two. I even went over to MSNBC and CNN and they're just dancing a jig and they're all drunk, you know, with glee and they're giddy and facts out the window. They don't care about anything. So I got nothing from that except stupider. And uh, so I was I was watching I was I was listening to Jonathan Turley and others. But Jonathan Turley said, look, this is done. This is done. We're past the finding of any kind of guilt or something. They just rushed through that. And Trump's guilty. And that's it. Now we're going to find out how much of a penalty you get. And they're calling it the equivalent of the death penalty in New York, where they will kill off his businesses and his entire empire. And they'll take part of it. They're going to force him to sell his buildings. And, you know, then in, you know, a year we'll see Trump's name being ripped off the side of the building and thrown on the ground. And that's what they want. They want to make him unelectable. Uh, well, so that's, so that's it's, really it's disgusting. It's, yep. It's all about getting, getting Trump off of the 2024 ballot. But there's got to be an appeal process. 
uh, it can't be a, a done deal. Yeah. Everybody can, anybody looking at this can see that it, it, it's a scam. The whole thing. Yeah, there will be a forest of the justice system. And this is why the American public are sick and tired of the deep state doing what they're doing. I mean, it's obvious to everybody. This is part of the deep state. Absolutely. And I think, honestly, I think as more people come to realize what's happening, I think it wins him votes. I really do. I think they're very oh, dumb. I, I don't does, think they realize yeah. what they're doing. I think it does. John, I thanks. For, the, yep. Have a great day. All right. Thanks for kicking it off, John. Really appreciate it. Liz Peake will be joining us uh, in the last hour of the show in order to, to delve into this more. Now, over on the Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. Um, Hermit Sal says, I'm not an attorney, so I probably missed something. But if the attorney general, Tish James, says uh, that Trump was committing these crimes, why didn't she go after him before he ran for president? She ran on the promise to prosecute Trump if he gets elected. Isn't that prejudicial prosecution? A hundred percent. Of course it is. Uh, it's all uh, it, this is lawfare. So here's what Trump posted. Uh, he posted, let's see, um, I want to go to what he posted last night. So let, let, me, let me do this in order. He posted last night, I'm going to court tomorrow morning to fight for my name and reputation against a corrupt and racist racist Attorney General Letitia James, who campaigned on getting Trump and a Trump-hating judge who is unfair, unhinged, and vicious in his pursuit of me. Now, I'm sure that didn't help him in front of the judge today. Because the judge literally holds his empire in his hands. So Trump's just poking the bear going, go ahead, I dare you. And this man can crush him, at least in the short term. You know, it it will be appealed and appealed and appealed. Uh, Let's see. Trump and his sons, as well as his former lawyer, Michael Cohen, are all listed as potential witnesses. It's a non-jury trial, as I said. Um, former Trump and nobody else is really expected to testify for several weeks into the trial. So, of course, they're hitting him up during campaign season and everything else, but they're giving him free airtime. They think they're stopping him. They're giving him free airtime. James has claimed that Trump and his company repeatedly lied and overvalued his assets in financial statements to get large loans and make business deals. Uh, she accused Trump of exaggerating his wealth by as much as $3.6 billion in the latest court filing. But again, Nobody complained and the loans were repaid and um, I'm confused. Uh, Now, Engeron has already ruled that Trump ran a years long fraud scheme by lying on company documents by inflating the worth of his assets. This is a big deal. And there's a lot of people watching this very, very closely who deal with assets and mortgages and loans and all that kind of stuff, because this is this this will have shockwaves throughout the entire country in that business, because this has never been done before. The ruling also revoked Trump's business licenses in in New York and could force him to surrender his New York City-based properties, including Trump Tower. Now, Engeron will rule on six remaining claims in in the lawsuit following the trial. So I have a ticker up here that I'm following the Trump in court. And apparently everybody's talking about the fact that the judge, when he saw Trump sitting there, put a big grin on put a big grin on his face when he saw Trump sitting there. All right, coming up, we'll get into this more later in the show. Joe Bricado uh, will talk to us about why so many young people are rejecting the American dream. And he's got a book out on uh, rules for mastering the art and science of relationships and life and business. Hmm. We can all learn something from this. That's coming up next on The Rob Carson Show. Hey guys, it's Carson. Today's podcast sponsored by Nutrisense. 
That was the sound of a NutraSense biosensor. It's a small device that you put on the back of your arm that then provides real-time feedback on how your body responds to the foods that you're eating, your exercise, stress, and even your sleep. With NutraSense, you just take a photo of your meal, adjust for portion size, and NutraSense does the rest. NutraSense helps you track your data, see your glucose trends, and understand your macronutrient breakdown for each meal. You also get an overall glucose score for each meal based on your body's response. You'll be matched with a board-certified nutritionist who will review your data and answer all your questions. Plus, they give you a personalized nutrition plan so you can achieve your goals. You should try NutraSense today. It will open your eyes in profound ways to how your food, exercise, and lifestyle choices are affecting you. What's more, it empowers you with a real-time feedback loop showing the consequences of your food and lifestyle choices. It is a powerful tool for understanding your body and affecting positive change in your life. You can get all of this today. NutraSense has a special offer for our listeners. Visit NutraSense.com Carson. Use code CARSON to start decoding your body's messages and pave the way for a healthier life. Be sure to tell them you learned about NutraSense on the Rob Carson Podcast. That's NutraSense.com slash Carson to save 30% off your first month, plus get a month of board-certified nutritionist support. It is Monday. It feels like a Monday, right? <laughs> I'm Mary Walter in for Rob Carson. Rob is back with you tomorrow. Just a quick update before we go to our guest. Uh, there are There's camera in the courtroom, and it is amazing um, to watch. And it's, I'm sure it's everywhere. But Letitia James is just staring at Donald Trump. She's like craning her neck so she can see Donald Trump. She's staring at him. On the prosecution side, there's a woman who's sitting there's a sitting closest to, to the defense as a man, and there's a woman next to him, obviously some sort of uh, counsel, and she's laughing. She's whispering to him. He's laughing. And then they pan over. The Fox News camera panned over to the judge. And the judge sees the camera looking at him and he smiles. He takes his glasses off, puts them down, and he gives him a big grin. And then he shrugs. He just shrugs at him and grins. And he's laughing. Everybody's having a great time. A Citizen Free Press said this is a high school beauty pageant for Democrats. And then go on to say the Trump, the judge in Trump's case really did smile and shrug for the cameras. Banana to Republic on full display. So I will keep you updated on this as we go along. All right. Joining us now, Joe Bricado. He's the author of Hit It Off, 21 Rules for Mastering the Art and Science of Relationships in Business. Right there on the Newsmax hotline. Joe, welcome to the Rob Carson Show. Mary, it's great to be with you. How are you today? I'm doing good. Are you on a speakerphone? If you could put, if you could just pick it up, that would be fantastic. Sounds like you might be on a speakerphone. I am, I am not. Oh, you're not. Okay. All right. Um, so you can find him on Twitter at Brocato Official, B-R-O-C-A-T-O Official. Now, and you can get the book on hit hit it off the book dot com. One of the things that really um, drew me to this and wanted to have you on was you talk about um, that. Um, younger people, younger workers are redefining success because they can't buy into the American dream. So my first question to you is, what do you mean by buy into the American dream? Because the American dream to me is an idea. And the American dream is different for a lot of people. So what is there, what is it that they can't buy into? Well, it's very interesting. Um, uh, there was a USA Today article that actually discussed this very recently. And I read that article and it reported on what is apparently going on, the younger generation 
doesn't feel as if the quote unquote American dream is attainable. And when I read that, I was uh, a tad confused and, and disappointed because I completely agree with you. The American dream is an idea. Um, I really think it goes back to the Declaration of Independence and this pursuit of happiness concept where, you know, based on our abilities and our efforts, uh, we should be able to prosper in this country no matter how old you are. And so that's really the key. And I feel as if a lot of what was covered in that article, people think in younger generations that, uh, you know, maybe the cost of homes is too high and college is, is skyrocketing and, you know, they can't have the, the, the white ticket fence. And I think every generation probably feels that way. If you go back to, let's say, sure. the, the, the generation that came out of the Depression, they were just looking for a meal on the table. Um, and their kids were, were hoping for a paycheck to put their kids through school. Um, so the bottom line is every generation should redefine uh, what it means to, to, to live the American dream. I think the younger generation needs to be focused on things that are within their control. And that's where my book comes in. I think it's very timely and relevant because um, a lot of what is in the book, these 21 rules, is really intended to help people take control of their environment so they can build the best relationships in their life and their business to help them achieve all of their goals. Okay. Now, the goals of the new generation coming up, the younger kids. Um, and I don't know if we've got Gen Z, millennials, this one, that one. I, I, I don't know where, you know, when this all started and we had to name each generation. To me, that's a fairly new phenomenon, I think. Um, and and where, I guess, what are their, what do they think the American dream is? Let's start with that. What is their definition of American dream? Well, I, I don't really know, um, but they feel, I believe, based on this article, and this is not me reporting, this is USA Today's article, um, okay. that uh, they don't feel that they're going to have the career opportunities, for example, that maybe their parents or their grandparents had because people are living longer and they're working longer, so those positions aren't going to open up. So they're kind of taking this, internalizing it, and then kind of saying, we don't think we can, quote, unquote, achieve the American dream. And from my perspective, I think that if, you know, if you define success, and everybody should define it differently based on, let's say, how much money you have, that's not always the case. A lot of people define success otherwise, and they have the right to do that. But let's assume you want to earn more money and you want to have more material things or have better health care, whatever the case might be. Studies have shown that 85% of our success on the job is really based on our skills with people. And 15% is based on technical skills and knowledge. And I think in the, with the age of AI right now, artificial intelligence, that 50% is gonna go down because machine learning is gonna take over a, a fair amount of, uh, of the knowledge we have and the technical skills we have. So the bottom line is that 85% that's really based on skills with people in terms of our job success is very, very relevant. I think younger generations especially need to really harness these skills in a very thoughtful way. And the umbrella for the entire message in my book is using critical thinking and mindfulness for the interpersonal dynamic. From the moment you meet someone, to hit it off with them, make that great first impression. Studies have shown that it's in the first two seconds we tend to make judgments about people. So those first two seconds are critical. Then developing that using these 21 rules into a long-term emotional connection, which will, in effect, 
maximize the likelihood of achieving all of our goals in life and in business. And that to me is so interesting because I look at some younger people, they interact so much different with the rise. We have the generation, the first digital generation, the first generation where they grew up with a screen in front of their face. And I watch my nieces, you know, back when they were 16 years old, you know, the little birthday party on the beach of 16 year old girls and they're all sitting there and nobody's talking. They're, they're sitting in their chairs on a circle and everyone's on their phone and they were Snapchatting each other. It's like, why don't you put your phone down and act, actually talk to each other? But that's not how they communicate. So to your point right now, like those first, you know, seconds is how someone will form an opinion of you being so critical. So many of these kids don't know how to look someone in the eye and shake their hand. I mean, the basics of those things. So what happens when they get out in the real world? What happens when they go for a job interview, for instance? Well, um, I've been, my, my uh, profession is the legal profession. I've been practicing law for more than three decades. And I can tell you that um, when it's time to promote, when it's time to reward, um, one individual has to have trust in another individual. Um, that is earned over time. Uh, you don't earn that by staring at a screen. You earn that by interacting with other people, with your superiors. Um, if you're a people leader, you, you have to interact with people that you're leading. And that's how people leaders get promoted within organizations. So I think there are a lot of distractions from what is truly important in both life and business. And what's truly important is that human connection. And frankly, studies have shown, the science shows, that human connection is one of the most basic human needs. Technology is great. I love technology, but a lot of the technology, although I'm sure it was intended initially to really bring us closer together, it's actually kind of bringing us farther apart. And it's really um, fracturing that human connection, hopefully not irreparably, but we're getting further apart. And I think younger generations especially really need to harness that human connection, have tools, have a formula and a system to really get it off with someone from the moment they meet them and then developing that into this great long-term relationship that can help them maximize the likelihood of achieving whatever goal they have in the relationship. If it's in a job, it's to move up. If it's in a romantic relationship, to advance that. If it's a friendship, etc. And these are the things that technology sometimes distracts us, oftentimes distracts us from what's really important to succeed. Right. So this is why I, I thought this was so interesting and wanted to have you on is because I look at this general and listen, we, we weren't perfect either when it comes to 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 being raised and, and to communicating. But our parents taught us to, you know, I never called my parents friends by their first name ever because there was a respect for someone who was older than you. There's a certain respect there, right? That's changed now. Now I am the equal with a two year old who calls me by my first name, which I find quite jarring. But right. I'm obviously a dinosaur. But so who teaches them this? And is that where this book comes in? Well, unfortunately, um, things have changed because of the many, many distractions that our society have uh, has. I think that it's just harder um, for parents to teach these things at home. It's harder for schools to teach these things. So uh, my book is one step in the right direction. It's not the be-all and end-all, but I think it's a good starting point. You mentioned the word respect, and I think that, that if there's one rule in the book um, that everything else kind of is, is circling, 
uh, is the, the rule around respect. It's give respect to get respect. And I believe we have unfortunately lost the art of respect in society to a great extent. I learned about respect in the family around the kitchen table. And mm-hmm. I've taught my kids this and I've tried to earn the respect of others around me by giving respect. And what is respect? Respect is about valuing another human being, whether we agree with them or not. And I think you just look at the incivility we have in our society right now, Mm -hmm. in our political institutions. There's a lot of incivility, you know. There's a report that was, or a study that was reported in the Harvard Business Rule about incivility in the workplace. And 78% of respondents reported witnessing incivility, which is rudeness, disrespect, and other insensitive behavior at least once a month. 70% 70% reported witnessing incivility two to three times a month. Well, that's just crazy, and it doesn't have to be that way. Whether we agree with someone or not, we need to be able to find common ground, which is yet another rule. We need to be able to pivot and really redirect the conversation, redirect the relationship around governing values, non-negotiables, things that we can all agree upon. And I think we're going to end up with a bit civil more society and perhaps be mm-hmm. able to reinstill, if we're talking about politics, for example, reinstill civility into our political institutions. I would love every politician to adopt the 21 rules as a code of conduct, and I think things would be much better off and they'd be much more productive as legislators. Yeah, or if we could just go back to you know spanking our children, that might also do, go a long way as well. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> just before I run out of time here, um, I know you're an attorney, and I don't want to put you on the spot. So if you can't comment on this, that's fine. Uh, but I, well, I'm not an attorney. We were just talking about what's happening with Trump in the courtroom today, and this being a civil trial, can as opposed to a criminal trial, and and a lot of us, myself included, we're sitting here wondering how does it just get to be that well a judge who has no real estate appraisal training get to decide that even though there is no victim, the loans were repaid, the banks didn't complain, nobody complained, that Donald Trump can lose his entire empire. Is that something that you could explain quickly to us? Well, if I can explain that, uh, I wouldn't have to work another day in my life. What I will remind everyone, though, is that with respect to any legal case, Uh, whether it's civil or criminal, we have to really refrain from falling victim to the illusion of explanatory death. This is another concept that I cover in my book. It's a scientific concept that we tend to um, fool ourselves in thinking that we know more about a topic than we really do. That is the illusion Mm -hmm. of explanatory death at its essence. And I think in the legal context with a case, it's very important to let all the evidence come in, and for everybody who would approach this with critical thinking, carefully assess the information, be very objective, leave your predetermined biases and prejudgments at the door as much as possible, and really let the evidence control. Now, if the, the system is rigged in one respect or another, that's why we have an appeals process, that's why we have the Supreme Court. So ultimately, we hope that in any case, whether it's about Donald Trump or anybody else, that hopefully justice in this country, because we have the greatest system in the world, will ultimately prevail. Well, I don't know about you, but I watch a lot of Judge Judy, so I do consider myself a little bit of a, you know, a legal scholar, so. Awesome. (laughs) 
Awesome. Well, you know a lot. Joe, thank you so much for joining me. I thought this was super interesting. Uh, It's a great book. It's called Hit It Off, Joe Borcato, B-R-O-C-A-T-O. And you just go online to Hit It Off, which is the title, hititoffthebook.com. Follow him on Twitter at Borcato Official. Thank you so much. Have a great week. You too, Murray. Thank you so much. Take care. Uh, Absolutely. 1-800-922-6680 if you want to jump in uh, talking uh, about Donald Trump, what's going on in in, uh, New York and just, you know, like just the smirking of the judge and Letitia James looking at him and just she's just staring at him. And one of the the counsel lawyers on the prosecution side whispering in the other one's ear and they're laughing. They're having a great time. They are all printing it up for the cameras. And Trump is just staring there if looks could kill. He is just staring, sitting there looking at that judge. And he's just looking at that judge. And and I to Joe's words, you know, I joke around, but to Joe's words, absolutely right. I, I don't like when people play um, illegal scholar or suddenly they're a COVID expert online, right? Or an immigration expert <laughs> online. And everybody knows everything about it. You, you can't do that. You can have your opinions, obviously. But I don't like when people state fa- state opinion as fact. So I tried, like I said, I, I've, I've watched a lot today already as all this was going down. And I tried to go to different ones. I was watching Newsmax. I was watching Fox. I wasted some time on CNN and MSNBC. But every now and then, they delve into, you know, they stumble into journalism. So you might learn something. Uh, so we'll keep you updated uh, on, on this. I think, I believe, the cameras are now out of the courtroom now. They were briefly allowed in the beginning. And that's where you saw Letitia James just staring at Donald Trump and the laughing and the smirking judge. He thought it was great, took his glasses off, smiled and made faces at the camera. I'm like, dude, you're a crazy person. So um, we'll keep you updated on that. All right. Uh, More coming up. If you want to join in, 1-800-922-6680. You're listening to The Rob Carson Show. It is Monday. I am Mary Welter in for Rob Carson. I was enjoying the music there for a little bit. Uh, let, let's switch gears. There's a lot to cover today. There's just so much going on. So much happened this weekend. Uh, one of the things that happened this weekend was the following. Let's go to cut four here, uh, Brian. This is uh, RFK Jr. Listen to what he had to say. So how are we going to win against the established Washington interests? It's not through playing the game by the corrupt rules that the corrupt powers and the vested interests have rigged to keep us all in their thrall. Instead, we're going to have to rewrite the assumptions and change the habits of American politics. We're going to tap into a mighty surge of people power to reclaim an honest, peaceful, just, and prosperous America. So I am inviting you to join me in Philadelphia on October 9th. There I'll share with you our path to the White House and how we can all participate in healing our nation. All right. I want to ask you, if he runs, if he announces third party, who benefits, Democrats or Republicans or maybe nobody? 1-800-922-6680. I've got more of, of RFK Jr. coming up on The Rob Carson Show. President Trump is leading in the polls, but only one network is covering President Trump's events live. That's Newsmax. 
Millions have made the switch to Newsmax because it's the real news they can trust. President Trump says he loves Newsmax. Every night you can start watching with Rob Schmidt at 7 p.m. Eastern. Rob Schmidt is exposing the Biden impeachment truth. All this week, Rob looks at the Biden money trail and the tens of millions that went to his family. Newsmax is on all major cable systems. If your cable operator doesn't carry Newsmax, call them and demand it. And don't forget to download the Newsmax app on your iPhone or Android. It's absolutely free and you can start watching at any time. Get the Newsmax app now. Get Newsmax at home and make the switch. You won't look back.